welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. My name is Hugh Dempsey. I am joined as always by the one, the only, Sam Lakely. Hello, Sam. I Hello, Hugh. One and only. Unless I actually Ooh, have a better nice. people with the name Sam Blake. That's it. It's pretty common, actually. But maybe not with your spelling, because you've got an extra E in there just for luck, haven't you? I do, and there were two. There were two guys in my year at school called Blakely. I think, but at least one of them had the same spelling. Um, but I haven't met a Blakely since. That wasn't an immediate family member. Strange old world. Yeah. To be fair, I have a very generic Irish surname. Do you know? <laughs> so there is plenty of Dempseys out there. Quite frankly, um, like, I only know well, like the only Dempseys I know are your family. But you know, I try to avoid yeah. Irish people, of course. As you yeah, know. I mean, yeah, because you're. Racism, obviously, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, right yeah. on the surface. Yeah, it's in yeah. my LinkedIn bio. So <laughs> make sure it's in the professional places. Yeah, just so they yeah, know. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You'll, uh, if, if you wear your red flags on your sleeve, is my uh, that's my motto. Yeah, when you like get uh, if you get Irish students when you're tutoring, you're like, oh, potato, and they're like, no, not this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how. That's, it yeah, is. well, that's, I tend to. Uh, yeah, I tend to, um, gosh, what's the word? Vet them out. You know, I tend yeah, to, the, yeah, before to you can, before you even get to the teaching stage, you're like, nah, just not this, yeah, not yeah. this kid. Oh, Flackety, get off. <laughs> yes, yeah. Flackety, that but anyway, famous you, Irish that, that famous, not yeah. fake Irish Oh, you can't name, move yeah. for oh, Flackety's. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's thick uh, with anyway, you, you throw a coin and you hit an oh, Flackety <laughs> in the crowd. It's been a week, you. How have you been? A whole, a whole week, yeah, seven days. Yeah, seven uh, yeah days. grand. Yeah, yourself. Seven sweet, sweet days. Anything strange, grand exciting... Also. I um, did a bit of a drive down to London. My first, oh, yes. I mean, I've done a few motorways, but by far my longest drive ever. That's about 200 miles or 230 yeah. miles. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, or as it Americans raining, it was call raining the whole way up. A nice day out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Grocery shopping. Yeah, um, grocery shopping. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrifying uh, coming back <laughs> with all the spray and the rain. Very often you'd hit a puddle and you'd skid a bit when you're right next to a lorry. You know, it was a learning experience and we right. survived, so everyone right, learned everyone's a lot. intact. Uh, I tried to convince um, Nick to maybe go to sleep, have a little rest. And she was like, no, no, it's fine. And I could tell she was white knuckle <laughs> the whole way, <laughs> <laughs> holding on. She was very nice. She was like, oh, you're doing so well. But she was... Uh, she was she changing every dying gear with me. Was and, not, not, the ch- not, yeah. not an option. <laughs> che- checking every mirror with me. You know, yeah, bless her as a navigator. She did well. Yeah. Nice. Well done. Congratulations. Um, Thanks, mate. I suppose it'll only get easier as you get more experienced, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Like sex, really. Or harder as I get more complacent. complacent. <laughs> like sex, yeah. Yes. Which doesn't get harder as you get more complacent, ironically. <laughs> um so Quite yeah definitely. that's I mean I have n- yeah no interesting stories nothing interesting has happened this week to me at all that's, another that's, lockdown week well let's yeah. get straight into it yeah. let's get straight yeah. into this film oh, although I remember you saying to me last week you were like oh have you watched any other movies this week and I was like oh yeah yeah oh, I yes. have yeah it turned out I'd watched Mortal Kombat the new Mortal Kombat thoughts Which, yeah it was alright yeah it's as good slash bad I suppose as the original it's a bit different it's a bit more... Is it quite bland? It's a bit generic And the only thing that really yeah. is unique about it is, Mortal, is the fact that it's Mortal Kombat. But it has got some 
pretty cool fight scene, doesn't it? It's also got some uh, gruesome fatalities in it, which one of them in particular is like, oh my God, <laughs> which you're not expecting. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, okay. no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I've got it. absolutely no appetite to watch it. It looks like, um, well, this is not reflective of this film we're watching this week, but it looks like a Roland Emmerich film in the sense that it's, <laughs> it doesn't look exciting. <laughs> No of course, thing. this film might be different that we're looking at. Uh, yeah, video. somehow I doubt it. So yeah, so Sam's already mentioned um, we're watching another Roland Emmerich film, which, uh, yeah, fair enough. You didn't quite enjoy the last one, which no, I was a little I bit think surprised. it might be my lowest rating or one of my lowest. I, I hated it. Yeah, you pretty much hated that film. Like I think with I think with like say Indiana Jones, which you didn't uh, the tem- um, uh, which one the yeah, second Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, thank you. You didn't quite. It, you just. It just didn't feel like. I don't know. Maybe it just. It didn't live up to the first film, did it? I think was the problem there, and you found some of the characters annoying, and yeah, it just wasn't the film you were expecting. And but you could see, you could see good bits in it. I felt, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't object to it on every level <laughs> as I did with yeah, Anonymous you just were very disappointed given what had come before understandably as a lot of people were at the time quite frankly uh, and still are uh, I'm, I'm surprised we did it to be honest I, I hadn't actually planned on doing it and then you were like oh yeah let's do it and and then that was that so yeah and I think you, you really wanted to get into the Shakespeare uh, theories yeah so, I, I was more uh, interested into the I was Kurt Russell theories this week Kurt Russell theories yeah it's Kurt Russell real <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I was more I was more interested in that quite frankly than the actual um, the film content I think the film's perfectly fine it's like I said like I said at the time it goes into it says we're starting with a audacious premise and it goes weirder which I think's quite yeah brave of it um yeah, this film actually does start with a quite an odd... So we're doing Stargate, by the way, 1994. Stargate, 1994, 1994. yeah. Give us a plot summary, well, Hugh. Well, what I'm going to say, Sam, just before we go to plot summary, um, just in case nobody listened last week, what what sort of... Uh, what was what did you know about this film before you watched it? Uh, absolutely nothing other than it spawned the, the TV series. Uh, and even then, I, well, I thought, sci-fi, I have no concept of what it could be about other than you know interplanetary travel intergalactic <laughs> beastie boy song <laughs> in a row <laughs> i don't know the words that's, that <laughs> yeah that was the that was the limit of it i didn't know anything i i mean i knew that james spader and kurt russell win it because we discussed it before but i didn't even know that so yeah absolutely blank slate i yeah. did i did suspect that i wouldn't like it because i didn't i don't really i find those stargate tv shows to look quite bland um, but you know, hadn't seen any, so I didn't really know anything about it. So yeah, do you want to give us a little little plot summary? Yeah, so it is like I said, nineteen ninety four. Uh, Roland Emmerich directed a guy called Dean Devlin, who went on to write, I think, Independence Day, uh, along with um, Roland Emmerich. So they, you know, they do have a solid history of hits between the two of them uh, in their collaborations. Um, uh, yes, synopsis of this. Uh, ancient, uh, sorry, 1920s, uh, they find a, there's a dig, they find something from ancient Egyptian times, and then it cuts forward to the present day. You've got uh, James Spader playing Dr. Daniel um, Jackson, and he's an Egyptologist who doesn't believe that the pyramids were made by the fourth dynasty um, Egyptians. And he's at like one of those conferences, one of those symposiums, or what they call them, all his, all his like... 
you know, his uh, contemporaries and his colleagues laugh at him. And there's a woman in the crowd who happens to be a little girl who you see at the beginning of the film who was there when the Stargate was discovered. And she basically employs him to come work on the uh, military facility. He starts uh, translating things, figures out actually what the Stargate is. Turns out it's a device to open wormholes to other worlds. And then they figure this out. They manage to power it up. They send... Uh, Kurt Russell's character, who's uh, basically suffering from suicidal depression because his son uh, killed himself with his own gun, uh, which is quite which is quite a strange choice in sort of character. Strange character development. It's not, you know, he's not just a generic military man. He's actually got a bit of a backstory, uh, which is quite interesting, which makes him, like, perfect for this Yeah, it gives him a bit of a death wish, doesn't it? Yeah, so they end up going through the Stargate. It takes them to this deserty planet. Um, like, on the the edge, on the other side of the known universe, as um, uh, the character Catherine says. And, yeah, ultimately, there's there's people there. There's, like, a, like a sort of... Um, uh, pre-industrial like nomadic people who speak a form of like ancient Egyptian um, they're kind of stuck there because they thought once they went through the Stargate on that side would have all the the hieroglyphs that they needed to get back so they end up having to set up a camp and then uh, it turns out your, your main man Ra himself turns up in his big um, in his big sort of pyramid shaped spaceship and he's the big bad guy isn't he and uh, yeah from there sort of danger ensues and Ra wants to use um, the bomb that that uh, you know American military fuck yeah has brought to find out just to use just in case there's some danger and yeah the kind of the it's some falls from there really um, it films pretty short it's what two hours I think it was just, just about. Quite, quite similar to your uh, plot synopsis there, Hugh. Well, yeah, that is a synopsis. It wasn't really a summary, it was more of a synopsis. I always like to get your full thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, what's your history of this film? Did you watch it very young? Um, Are you a big, big fan of the TV show? I remember seeing the film when I was quite young. Um, I think I remember it being in like video shops. <laughs> you know when they used to you go in a video shop and it had like a TV and it would show like clips from films and things like that. It was one of the films that they were showing in there. Uh, I was very young, obviously ninety four. How old would I have been? Like uh, what's six? Six? Yeah, yeah, would have been six. Um, nearly, I think, yeah, nearly seven when it came out in this country. Um, so yeah, I kind of have a vague memory of it. And I remember watching the film probably maybe. A year or two later, and then the TV show. I watched a lot of the TV show. I liked it. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't obsessed with it, so to speak. I did. I'd sit and watch there's, it. There's, now, there's quite a few, isn't there? There's the Robert Carlyle one. There's, there's the t- uh, SG one. There's Atlantis. The, yeah, mean, the Robert Carlyle one. I think is is Atlantis. I never watched that. Right. The only one I really watched was Stargate SG one, and I probably watched about six or seven series of that, probably, because it used to be on Sky, right. and then it was on Channel Four. All of a sudden. Is that set after the film yeah. where they have the portal and, and yeah. they go into different parts of the universe? Or yeah. the same, yeah. Or the same end point? Essentially, yeah. They're just using the Stargate to see what's out there. Um, and two different actors come in and play the roles that Kurt Russell and James Spader play in this film, basically. Right. So, right. yeah, so, so Daniel doesn't really get his happy ever after, <laughs> essentially. Gutted. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's start. It is. It's very Stargate. I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not here to talk about SG One because it, it was good. No, no it was good no. for the time. It was. It was in that sort of schmogsh board of sort of. <laughs> 
you know, sci-fi shows that were on at the time, along with like Star Trek and Babylon 5 and stuff like that. You know, Star Trek had like, in the late 90s, had like two series running concurrently, more or less. Uh, you had SG-1 and you, and you had... Um, Babylon 5 which I was never a fan of never really watched so they, they yeah they're sort of like a Sky 1 show that you would watch and my sort of step brother uh, John would watch and I would just glaze over if it was on or, or leave the room <laughs> for some reason I have this <laughs> yeah. weird yeah. weird prejudice against these shows yeah um, but yeah, so that's kind of that's sort of how I. So I've I've seen this film a number of times. To be fair to it, um, I've probably watched it about four or five times, maybe now, including this one. Um, and what, what do you like about it? Um, I mean, as I've gotten older, I do like the sort of nostalgia of it. It's a very sort of mid nineties film, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's very. Uh, it is, a, you know, you can tell it's a Roland Emmerich film. I, one thing that I do really like about this film actually is it doesn't, even though it's got, it is, it has got some stupid premises to it and some stupid dialogue and people do silly things and stuff like that. But things don't suddenly become everything, you know, the world doesn't suddenly explode. Do you know that kind of way, like in sort of Independence Day and, you know, I, know, I never saw the White House explode once, or the Capitol building, or, no. no, you know, they didn't go to the Eiffel Tower, or Big yeah, Ben. There's nothing, <laughs> no landmarks. Like, that pyramid stays intact the entire time. Do you know what I mean? There's one thing gets blown up, and that's uh, Ra's spaceship, and that's it. Like, properly nuked. But, yeah, everything else is just grand, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, for a Roland Emmerich film, I suppose nothing like that happens in... Uh, in, in what is it in uh, anonymous but, <laughs> there's the fire they, 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 they burn down the globe they do they do the but yeah that's <laughs> that's one thing I really like about this film is I was jokingly thinking to myself is uh, Ra's very much uh, government with a small G isn't he he's very you know it's it's not a big he's not, he's not a big government guy is he <laughs> you know he would he would be a republican dream he's a libertarian he seems, yeah he seems to literally only have about 30 people working for him <laughs> essentially and the rest are slaves or or indentured yeah, servants yeah. or whatever you know and half of the people he has working for him are like children attendants or whatever they are meant to be uh, yeah. quite, that's a that was quite something fishy going on there I think the, sorry something fishy's going on there I think yeah, well, I was reading some of the IMDb <laughs> trivia and it was saying that the reason they put all these like children around him was it makes you feel uncomfortable because it, it feels yeah. like he's in some sort of weird exploitative relationship of some kind. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was... And it works a treat, actually. Now I think back, oh, yeah, that does really feel strange, doesn't it? But, yeah, I really like... What I do like is the, you know, it is a very throwback 90s action film. Let's be honest, that's what it is. It's a sci-fi action film. Uh, I like, I like that kind of melding of the sci-fi with like the ancient sort of history, sort of Egypt. You know, there's something, there's something inscrutable about ancient Egyptian culture. It feels very alien to us already. You know, a lot of their gods are sort of half human, half animal, sort of, um, you know, almost caricatures, aren't they? You know, they had a very specific way of drawing people in the hieroglyphs, you know. Um, and even that feels a bit unusual now that these this human representation with its like side profile but full body sort of weird 
sort of look to it that was pervasive for, you know, literally like 2,000 years or something. Like, Egyptian culture didn't really change for like 2,000 years. It's something insane like that. So, yeah, wow. so... I mean, yeah, you're right. It does It does have this other world equality in this... In the same way that, you know, X-Men Apocalypse, it's it's got the, you know, the original mutant and it's all very kind of otherworldly and mythological, isn't it, the, um, ancient Egypt? Yeah. It doesn't feel like a world where people yeah. actually existed and the, as and it, people. Yeah, and it's so long ago that there is, like, there is there are, there are legit mysteries in that area that we just don't really know about. Have you heard the one... I don't, I'm not, this isn't like a, you know, conspiracy theory. This seems to be some sort of strange thing. Um, have you heard the, not, it's not, a, I don't know what, the, it's like a theory, I suppose, about the Sphinx at Giza. You know, the famous Sphinx. So, mm. obviously you've got, so the Sphinx was basically the body of it. So the head was poking out for ages right out the sand for ages but they didn't realize there was a body underneath for ages uh for like hundreds of years maybe even like a thousand years or something and they uncovered this big you know the body that's there today so that's all grand and you see all that but it turns out they've done like um, geological analysis on it so the head of the sphinx doesn't seem to be composed of the same rock as what the body's composed of and the body seems to be composed of rock that's a lot, lot older. Like, we're talking like thousands of years older than the head. Now, I could be getting this wrong. The head could be also old. But, yeah, it's got this weird, essentially, that they think that the head of the Sphinx is... Um, sorry, the, the body of the Sphinx could be thousands of years older, therefore pushing back the date of, like, ancient Egyptian culture by literally thousands of years. So it's um, it's. I mean, ancient Egypt for for most people like me who don't really know things, I struggle to give the timeline. But you know, I'm one of those people who's always reciting the, the strange fact of things like Cleopatra was born closer to the birth of Mo Salah, the football player, than the building. <laughs> you know, the the the, the pyramids of Giza. So yeah. for for most people, we we don't appreciate that. I think we think of Egypt as sort of two thousand years ago rather than what four thousand years ago i don't yeah. really know what kind of time i'm looking at here yeah you're about right yeah yeah it's like the pyramids of Giza are like three thousand ish years old just over three thousand years old um that fact you were saying about uh cleopatra being born close uh being born closer to us than to uh to the pyramids construction even though she's an egyptian queen was um yeah and that's still true for another like 250 years or something insane. God. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, that fact will outlive us by a few good few years. But yeah, so there's that kind of otherworldly quality to there. And that's something I quite like because it's that like melding of like sci fi and, and action sort of ancient stuff. Um, and then just some of the funner elements of this uh, Kurt Russell Square haircut. You've got to love a, a G.I. Joe haircut. Um, <laughs> well, it's very cut. striking when he's gone from the long hair to the, <laughs> the, the flat square yeah. head. Uh, James Spader's <laughs> general look in this. Um, the, and then, you know, something genuine that makes the film a lot better. Uh, the music composition in this, you know, it's very iconic and, you know, it sounds very... It does sound almost like, you know, John Williams-esque, sort of, you know... Um, there's a very Indiana Jonesy vibe to it. Um, yeah, with the big, um, the big horsey thing in the desert. There's a, there's a lot of 
you know the the one prone planet Hoth and uh, yeah, all that sort yeah, of stuff yeah, that's it, true. Yeah, yeah, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, so yeah, it's got all that fun. Um, what you might not like about it. It is very cliched, <laughs> and I can appreciate that. And there's a reason it's a cliche because this is because of all these films that made these things cliched. The dialogue probably isn't great. Ra as a villain doesn't have real motivation. Like he's a bit, he's a bit of a weird sort of character. It's like so you're you've got all this like space technology, but yet you need pre-industrial slaves to mine your little rocks. You know that kind of way. <laughs> Silly stuff like that. Um, there's some of the like there's some plot holes like when they're talking about the um, you know when they're talking about the you, you might have noticed this or not but I think it's basically they say they've got the first six sh- like glyphs to lock in the first six chevrons on the Stargate but they mm-hmm. don't have the last one but there's only thirty nine. Uh, chevrons on the on. I did think, why don't they just yeah, yeah. trial and error? Yeah, it was literally yeah, <laughs> trial and error. <laughs> you would do it if you did just one a day. You'd have done it in a month, <laughs> you know, just over a month. And it's exactly the mm. same for the uh, the one on the the, um, the the desert planet, which does have a name, but they never mention it in the film. So, and I can't remember off the top mm. of my head. It's like Abydos or something like that, I think it's called. Right. So, yeah, so there is little silly things like that. And then there's, like, Jackson realises that it's, like, it's like a constellation because he sees it on a... On a um, on the newspaper. newspaper. And then he explains it to all... And then he explains it to all the uh, thingies, does, to all the generals. And then they open up the blast door. And it's, like... It's kind of like, yeah, we knew this, <laughs> which I find really, I found really strange. <laughs> to be honest, it was like, what? I mean, it might be me just being an idiot, but it it felt like they should have told him. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we've yeah. got, we, yeah, we kind of knew it had something to do with the stars, but yeah. So yes, yeah, so I think you might have found it a bit too cliche. I'll be honest with you, I. I like this film because it's a bit of 90s nostalgia essentially and it's a good action film and it's got a good blending of like um, it's got some decent CGI good for the time um, it's that kind of blend of ancient sort of Egyptian sort of unknowing and that sort of sci-fi element and just that otherworldliness of the pyramids and all that jazz so it's tailor made for you isn't it and for your interests yeah essentially yeah it really does fit in that Venn diagram of the stuff I like I'm going to pretend it doesn't so yeah so I'm hoping that you can see past some of its flaws and maybe realize and like it for maybe what it, it it is rather than what it could be perhaps or what it should have been yeah because it's not a perfect film I'm not going to sit here and pretend it is at all but yeah, I hope you can. If you had to, if you had to guess my rating at this point, what would you suspect? At the moment, I'm just hoping for like a seven. <laughs> I really do think you didn't like this film, just because I think you found it boring and a bit. And I think you'll feel like you've seen this film a hundred times because you grew up in the nineties and watched other films similar to this. I mean, seven's quite a good score. What yeah. would be an acceptable? What yeah. would be an acceptably yeah. high score? But. But yeah, if you yeah, if, but I don't yeah, but yeah, but a sevens means you enjoyed it. It doesn't mean you loved it. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I just look. Yeah. I don't think you're gonna have the love for it sort of the way that maybe the like I might have or other people who watched it originally. 
because it is. Um, I was watching a review of it on the YouTube's, and the guy was saying, oh, if it hadn't been for the TV show, it would have been like one of these lost little '90s sci-fi gems, you know. Sh- right. But right. because it had a big long TV run, pr- probably it doesn't get the, you know, the f- sort of following it deserves. It's been squeezed dry. It's, yeah. they've, they've made their money off it, so it's not as uh, yeah. praised. Anyway, so... Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, let's get to yeah, it. Yeah, I've been rambling on for 20 minutes now about this film, so let's find out what you think about it after the break. Hello, and welcome back. So, we're now going to find out what Sam thinks of Stargate. 1994 Ooh. Stargate. Yeah, no. um, I've got two questions for you, Sam, before oh. you uh, tell me what you did and didn't like about this film. First of all, uh, how many natives would you have uh, porked? And <laughs> secondly, how many of them have subsequently died of uh, diseases that were introduced and were, um, <laughs> You know, not, I, not ready for. I would have started porking the second I arrived and wouldn't have stopped until I died of exhaustion. That's just that's the way I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was watching I was watching that scene where the girl gets sent in and I'm like, Do it for science, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't relate I can't relate to him in that scene at all, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really wish I could, but I'm not that strong. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, how many of them have now died due to... Oh, yeah, uh, especially if you're sneezing all over the place, Jesus. Yeah, I was thinking that, I'm like, you're just murdering them. (laughs) Like, they never can... I mean, they must have, like, as much as Roland Emmerich is a bit of a dumb action film director, (laughs) I don't think he's, I don't think he's an idiot. Emphasis on the dumb. No, I think he is. I think he would have thought about that and just gone. It doesn't fit with the movie. Let's yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's a whole other. That's a different story. That isn't it? That would be. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to there was no way they wouldn't have been sent there in spacesuits. Well, the atmospheric pressure's the same, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, they're just like yeah. Who cares if these? Ma- yeah, they don't really. There just doesn't seem to be like. There's no like. There's no scene where he gets like the dog tags from the dead men and be like, <laughs> their it's like, oh, you said you'd keep us alive, keep the rest alive. Dave's dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that uh, French Stuart there just caring yeah. about only himself, essentially. Not, not a very believable, um, macho, tough guy, is he, French Stuart, when he's got his arms out? Well, it's just, you know. I think it's because you know him so well from. No, 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 rock. he's weedy, though, isn't he? It's not because of. I mean, it's not because. Oh of right, the, I see. He's he, he doesn't look like you know. Uh, he's not like what's the name Ramirez or Rodriguez or whatever from Aliens. You know. Yeah. He's not. He's not done a chin Ramirez. up in his life. Is, is what I'm saying. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Rodriguez. You have been mistaken for a man. No, have you? <laughs> no. It's just, but he's it's not. A, it's, he's, he's miscast. I do like French too, but he's a bit miscast. Do you think he's miscast in this? Yeah. Uh, I see. I was sat there going, "Do I know that character?" <laughs> Yeah, they should have got Hank Azaria in, shouldn't they? Yeah, who, as we know, is buff in the, in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, in all seriousness, mm. um, yeah. Right, things are like. Did you like it? Things are like. Yeah. I thought it was a really intriguing story. I thought it, it built really well. Um, yeah. You know, it sort of revealed parts of it piece by piece at a good pace. You know, it got into the story quickly enough. It didn't. It didn't faff about in in the twenties for hours and hours. It got in, got out, 
uh, we we build this character of uh, Doctor Jackson. Uh, you know, we we get to see him as this sort of quirky genius uh, yeah. type type person. Doesn't labour the point, and it and it just progresses nicely. Doesn't give you all its secrets straight away. Um, and it is quite an enjoyable, entertaining story. You know, it, it ticks a lot of story beats really well. Um, can can I just say, just to sorry to interrupt you, but his whole premise that obviously in this film his whole premise that the pyramids were built by aliens is fine but the premise in real life if you are one of these people who believes that the ancient Egyptians didn't build the pyramids first of all you're a fucking moron <laughs> secondly of all they definitely built the, the pyramids they did it well this they, is the thing know you know they he, they he's, the, he's the one who wrote the whole did the whole film about Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare's stories and I did get yeah. the sense this is, he's like is he just an, is he just a conspiracy theorist like he's read the Roswell uh, thing so so he's written Independence Day. Oh, you know, he's made that. Because uh, yeah, Area 51 features heavily in that, doesn't it? And Roswell. I'm really surprised. No, but like, you know, just basically alien things. Uh, I'm really yeah. surprised that he had nothing to... He wasn't involved in the making of Lucy. You know, here's another bullshit theory <laughs> that people believe. Is he really... A, is that, is, is that your level of contempt for him now? <laughs> yeah, I really... I don't respect him at all. However, <laughs> however, the, the, the film does hit a lot of the story beats really well. We do get... The character motivation is quite clear uh, as it progresses. There's, there's, you know, these all these lost Dark Knight of the Soul moments, and then snatching um, victory from the jaws of defeat. And it is, it, you know, it's someone understands how to how to write a film and follow the story beats. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good, well, it's a, it's efficient storytelling. When it finished, I was really surprised that two hours had passed, which I think is a great compliment to it. You know, yeah. two hour films can drag. Um, yeah. Or they can they can whiz by him, and this whiz by for me. You know, I didn't, I yeah. wasn't falling heavy lidded, which is always a compliment yeah. for me. Did you enjoy um, the whole sort of you know their their like basically it's it's a bit dances with wolves or a bit you know um, there's a, there's a there's a bit of a white man savior complex about this film. I do I did feel there watching is. it. Yeah, but, which, but did you? But it, but in the context, it's fine because they are they are more advanced than their 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 new friends, aren't they? So to speak. Well, they yeah, because they've been they've been not allowed to read and write, and um, yeah. they've it's not been allowed to progress. So at least it, that's part. It's baked in, as they yes. like to say. Yeah. Um, you know, performance-wise, the leads are magnetic. I, you know, I do love James Spader and Kurt Russell. I, I think they're completely magnetic um, leading men. Um, Spader is believable as a very intelligent man. You know, whether he's or not in real life, he knows how to portray it. Um, yeah, he almost. And, yeah, you'd, I forgot. I didn't when I went back and watched this. Oh, it must be about maybe ten years ago, something now. Um, I didn't realize that was James Spader because right. when I first saw it, I just. Obviously, I didn't know who he was. I was only a kid, mm. but obviously, in stuff that I'd seen him in since this, I was like, "Oh gosh, that's James Spader." You know, he comes yeah. across as that kind of, you know, um, uh, O'Neill calls him a dweeb, doesn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he does play that role very well. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's and he's obviously the the thing that I know him most for in, in recent years is the being in the office for the last season or two. Yeah. Um, and I and I thought he was great in that. The second you know. to last season, I think um, he's in, isn't he? Second, yeah, that's right, season eight, yeah. I think, or whatever. Um, Kurt Russell is he adds something, I think, to the performance that isn't on the page, and that is that he he is not two, he's not a one dimensional, um, you know, flat top, got buzz cut mm. colonel. Mm. He has this warmth about him that, again, is is intended in the script but isn't there, and he makes it there. You know, so for example, when he's showing the lighter uh, to the young kid, there's 
there's a there's a real paternal warmth to him, which I think is is very sweet. Yeah. That is all him. I don't think that's written in as such. Yeah. Um, in terms of his lines, so I think, I think it's one of those... when he turns out. Go on, sorry, sorry, go on. no, no, you go. When he turns out to be uh, when he turns out to be a good guy, yeah, uh, and he's not just you know the the colonel who's going to come in and nuke everyone and you know to hell with the science. Yeah. When he turns out to be actually quite reasonable and and all these things and. And so on. it just makes him much more three-dimensional. He has a character arc, which is important. You know, he's not just he's not just dispatched at the end. He actually is somebody who goes through a personal journey. And you know, Kurt Russell does it with with his eyes, you know. He does it with, not even in his lines. It's, it's a wonderful performance, I thought. Yeah, there's not a lot for him to go at in the script, is there? But there's... I mean, yeah. again, I was watching a re- this review on YouTube and they were saying that he's, Kurt Russell's better when he's sort of chewing the scenery a bit and he's allowed to be like bombastic a bit and, you know, like he is in sort of Guardians of the Galaxy or uh, Big Trouble yeah. in Little China, sort of those kind of egotistical characters or those big characters. But in this, he's just... You know, I think him and Spader were pretty were pretty honest that they read the script and the script was a bit shit, and they kind of did it for the pay. But it paid well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it paid well. I mean, apparently, the guy who plays um, Ra, Jay Davidson, Jay, yeah, Jay Davidson, let's go with Jay. Just he's got an E on the end. Yeah, Jay, yeah. Um, he didn't really. He was he was in a film called The Crying Game, and he got Oscar nominated for that. Mm. Apparently, it turns out. I've not seen it, but apparently there's a big reveal that he's a man in it, and everyone's really surprised and they think he's a woman. Yeah, it's it's one of the one of the big spoilers. It's like Sixth Sense or whatever. The Crying Game has, has got a big spoiler right. in it like that. Yeah, he's not really an actor. He's uh, he's been in two or three things, and he's a more of a fashionista. Yeah, and yeah, and it, and... yeah, and it turns out like he was kind of falling out of love with the acting malarkey already by this point. So he said he wrote to them and said like they wanted him for it, and they were like, oh well, I want. Um, he basically said, he said to them, "Oh, I'm going to make a, a a demand that's so outlandish they won't they won't give they won't offer me it." So he asked for a million dollars, and they were like, "Yeah." <laughs> so he was like, "Fine, I'll." Amazing yeah, payday. Like, well, okay, what can <laughs> you you know what can you say to that? You know, um, I think he's great <laughs> casting this though. He's got that sort of. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's yeah he's. I mean, he's his calling card is he's got an androgyny yeah. about him and a sort of youthful. Uh, malevolence as well. Yeah, you know, that I thought. He'd yeah, be and I think he's well. he's got a lot to do with a character that isn't there. Isn't a lot there to go on really. Um, and I think mm. it's a bit. It's a bit. Um, what did you th- not camp? But oh yeah, no, it's definitely a bit sort of it's, um, melodramatic. It's definitely camp, like isn't that. it? But it's you know like right mm. at the end when he gets the bomb sent to him, and he's he's almost like some sort of Nosferatu kind of re- reeling of what he is. Yeah, <laughs> he's very. You know, yeah. he's very much the uh, uh, despotic, you know, murderous ruler, isn't he? You can see his, you know, he's he he's horrible. He's a horrible shit, <laughs> Ra, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this guy does it well. And yeah, there's not a lot for him. His, I think that's one of the criticisms I would have of this film, is Ra's just a bad guy doing bad guy things for the sake of being a bad guy. Like he's like, oh, I'm going to modify your bomb and mm. send it off with this mineral, and it's going to do a hundred times more damage than, than, than. Yeah, I'm going to destroy it, and yeah, I think that's you know, it's a bit, it's a bit. Even done, in, even it, in the nineties, kind of, uh, a, a, a villain who wants and, to 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wants to yeah, create and, and destroy civilizations. Just, just on a technical that's, point. That's like, what you do. If it's, even if it's a nuclear bomb, right, it's a hundred times more powerful than, say, what, a nuke that size, maybe three or four megatons. Um, it's not going to do that much damage <laughs> if they're sending it to some mountain. It might destroy the, the whole of that mountain. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying like loads of people won't die, but it's not like billions. <laughs> you know, like is no, he's not, and I think that's a bit. He's not destroying you know, the earth. That's a bit silly in this film. That uh, it seems like some sort of arch, and you're like, eh, not really. <laughs> when you think about it logically, yeah, and I think that does that does bring me to the, I suppose the things I didn't like, and, and you're right. I think the, I do think the biggest problem is that it's a bit cookie cutter and a bit cliched. Um, it has it has those subtleties subtleties that makes it better than basically a film made by it. Here's a, here's a question for you: Can you make a film that is cliched, but it be like it be a great film? If that makes sense, yeah. Because obviously things become cliched because they're good once, and then everyone copies them. No, yeah, you can. I think you can, and I think I think there's definitely. Uh, there's definitely merit in following well-trodden story beats. The reason why things become cliche is because they work, you know. The reason why yeah. the bad guy loses at the end and the good guy wins is because that that's cathartic and that's what audiences want. And then people can get a bit clever, clever and say, well, um, you know, films always end like this or they've got three-act structures, so I'm going to change it. And then it doesn't work because it works because mm. some, there's something about stories that's ingrained in us either innately or at least culturally because I know there are cultural differences in stories um, mm. so I think you can and I think it comes down to the charm often of the cast um, you can you can write witty lines within cliche um, mm. you know like I say if it's anybody but Kurt Russell if it's someone much worse than him you know someone just a bit generic actor they yeah. they give no warmth to that performance and that character. If it's anybody that's not as good as James Spader, you go, well, this is just a bumbling dweeb. Why do I care about him? But there's just they've you know good actors are charismatic and convey personality and charisma somehow in either something uh, you know intrinsic in them or there are tricks to it. But no, I think you yeah. totally can, and I think you can, and I think you know blockbusters often do. You know blockbusters often are yeah cliched. It's something you see in like a lot of the um, Coen Brother films we watch. They they add character into those parts, don't they? And um, that's something that I think resonates a lot with a lot of people with like a film like Aliens. Yeah. Um, because in those films, sort of, you know, th- those Marines have character, and you get a little bit of this mm. with this film, like with um, uh, French Stewart's character, and you've got Kowalski. <laughs> you know, is that is that where the whole um, thing from uh, Madagascar comes from? Do you think <laughs> Kowalski? Yeah. It always just seems to be like a right hand man called Kowalski, <laughs> doesn't it? It's it, again, that's really cliched, isn't it? It's very cliched, and you know, and again, like you say, it, it, yeah, I, th- I do think it's possible to be cliched, but um, and you don't even have to, you don't even have to be postmodern and you know, sort of be cliched and knowingly yeah. cliched. You can just be fun. Um, and hit the story beats that everyone wants you to hit and it'd be a perfectly good film and I think the the cliche sometimes a cliche can be a make your eyes roll and you don't and you sort of take it out of the moment so when he when he sees it's it's so cliche that the genius person is working on something somebody does something completely 
incongruous and he sees something in that that, that gives him the clue to, to finish the story. It's every episode of House, yeah. for example. Um, you know, And I think there's something inorganic about that. It's, it's sort of, in some ways as well, underestimates uh, the work that goes into mm. doing anything great. You know, doing anything great is not insp- it's not a moment of inspiration and a eureka, eureka moment, and you you run down the the street naked. Um, it's it's bit by bit, but that's just less cinematic. And I just I don't think that Roland Emmerich understands um, intelligence. <laughs> I just don't think he's a very intelligent man. <laughs> but I think he's somebody who you know works probably works very hard and hires a lot of the right people and. And uh, appeals to yeah. appeals to a blockbuster audience, you know. Uh, which is one thing I was thinking when I was thinking about about this film being overly cliched. You know, there's a scene where Daniel comes in and works out the translation more or less straight yeah, away yeah. after about thirty seconds, and I was like, "Oh, that's really cliche, isn't it?" It is. Yeah, you know, I think I'm the guy who translated that. Oh, it must feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he, yeah, um, he, he's gutted in the moment, but you know, I, I quite like that scene. I did think it made. You know, he's demonstrating his um, ability to you and the and them. Yeah, but then do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the film Arrival. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when she comes in and talks about um, when she's talking about you know questions and all this sort of stuff. And mm. Yeah, exactly. She's like showing how complicated it is just to ask a simple question. And again, because you you need to know how that they're actually the right person for the job and that's what their way of demonstrating. And I think that's a really good example of efficient storytelling, cliche or not. It's a cliche because it's efficient storytelling. In the same way that it's cliched um, for the, sta- the start of a film, a man comes home and finds his wife in bed with a, another man and therefore decides that he has to fix his life. Or... The opening scene, man gets fired from his job, realises he needs to fix his life. Those are two very easy to understand, relatable touchstones, which mean you've got to change your life right now, and therefore uh, this film is your adventure to change your life. Those become cliche because somebody used it once and everyone went, wow, that was really efficient and really effective. And now if you do it, you have to put a twist on it. Like, he comes home and his wife is in bed with another woman or uh, <laughs> yeah, his dad yeah. or something you or, know whatever it might be there's got to yeah. be an extra level or, to it um, a wormhole opens up in the closet and <laughs> yeah. he has to travel through time exactly <laughs> to, to be yeah. actually the old man she was sleeping with was actually him 40 years in the future because they've got oh, to God, repopulate yeah. the whatever yeah. you know um, and yeah. so yeah so I think the cliche is is one of its biggest flaws but also it doesn't ruin the film at all for me um, okay. I think one of the things so yeah so so what? Yeah. So what didn't you like about this film? Because you kind of you half mentioned it, but you didn't completely get into it completely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the, didn't you the, like? Give me a list. So the, the 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 big thing is the cliche. The the other thing is the plot holes that you've mentioned. Really, a couple of other things about plot holes as well. Really, how did they get the readings back from the probe so quickly and immediately? The, the probe didn't come back. It's on the other side of the universe. Well, well, yeah. There's a sort of a silly thing where it says. Oh well, can't they just open up to us and then we'll go through? And it's like, and they're like it doesn't work like that. And it's like, well, it worked like that for the probe to send back the data. But yeah, just it's yeah. It, Another one as well. Yeah, was just, I don't, I don't know if radio I'm, signals through. I don't know if I missed something, go, but basically, images. Um, what's her name? The the woman who hires him. Uh, is it Catherine Langford? Catherine. She's called um, she says that it was um, a material. The Stargate was made of a material that we'd never seen before on Earth, and then 
the guy is looking at the material when they get there and his little machine says quartz uh, primary element and then <laughs> Does so it? it's made of quartz <laughs> which we do have on earth so either I missed something I mean, or that could have been just one of those like you might not have been able to see it in the cinema back in 94 yeah. but on like you know 1080p sort of high resolution <laughs> I don't mean it says out loud it says quartz the... primarily I see it like says it out loud oh does it um, maybe they've named it since they found the Stargate I, 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 don't, know. I don't know it's lucky that that guy had that with him wasn't it really yeah it was you know really I, mean? um, the, yeah. I think the other big issue I have with it um, which is an issue with a lot of these films is I'm not sure it was about anything and I don't think this is this doesn't necessarily have to be the worst criticism in the world but for me to love a film it can be an entertaining story but it has to be about something you know it has to be a metaphor for something or something like that it's not really a comment on fascist power systems and stuff like that you know it's just that that is the mechanism that means that Ra's a villain Um, it's not about like Arrival is about language and time and and grieving and so on yeah this isn't about those things I mean decision making and fate yeah if it was a more intelligent filmmaker they would make it they would tie in uh, Kurt Russell Jack's uh, loss and character arc with the point of the film or they would give him a character arc that is is about the film and at times I'm rewatching it now I'm thinking okay so he's kind of interacting with the children if you made it about children and the innocence or the loss of or some, I don't know. It, it's not about something. It's just, it's just not about anything. Well, they could have had, they could have had a scene where Kurt Russell saves. Was it? Um, is he called Sakar or something? Or the like boy. Yeah, if they had a scene where he specifically saves him, like from one of the, the no because um, I think that wouldn't that wouldn't make the film about anything that would just be a n- nice character moment for him where he yeah he saves a child he's lost a child but he saves a child um, yeah you know so that, that is it like what what do you think this film is about okay well here's a question I mean here's story? a question for you just sorry say again what, other than making an entertaining story what do you think this film is about yeah. There's, um, it's, it's not a deep film. <laughs> it's meant to be like a action adventure sort of sci-fi romp, isn't it? It's not meant to be about discovery, maybe at the at the mo- at most. That's what that's what I mean. That's and the I most think I could say about that it. for me is. But then what's what's Indiana Jones about? It's the same thing, isn't it? Mm. It's just done better because it's because it's Spielberg. No, that's that's about something like that. That that is about what's, what's like. It about? Um, like the the conversations he has with Saul Bellock about you know yeah you go underground for a thousand years ten thousand years to become valuable it is actually a yeah. comment on archaeology and uh, looking at old civilizations yeah it's a, it's about something yeah in the same way that you know Jaws yeah, okay. isn't about a shark that sort of thing you know it's a really entertaining yeah. romp about Although a I, shark you thing know, but I, it's also as, about as interesting things. a point that is I also kind of think. Jaws was meant to be about a shark. No, <laughs> no, no. Again, it's have... so, or like, or like Moby Dick or something like that. It's, it's because they of, didn't have enough it's a, shark. It's ostensibly about a big whale that is, that is going after in Moby Dick, but it's not. It's about obsession. So, like this film, you know, it, to yeah. say that it, oh well, it's just an insane blockbuster. It doesn't have to be deep or about something. I think is the problem that means that 
Yeah, they, they, just with a little bit more effort in the in the making of it and the writing of it, it could be about something and be much better, but also be an entertaining yeah. romp, you know. Yeah, fair enough. I can see that. Yeah, I am struggling to think what this film's about, and yeah, maybe they could have had, you know, at most you can say it's about discovery and the fear of the unknown, I suppose. But those, the only those themes aren't really explored that much. No, they? because they because they would need to be part of Ra's mo and yeah. history and so on. So yeah. yeah, I just I just don't think they, it's about they'd have to develop so. it more. For, anything else then? Those are the key things, really. I mean, it's you know the the CGI is fine for its time. Um, yeah, it yeah. looks a bit hokey now, but yeah, you know, fair. I don't think there's some of that CGI. There's nothing a studio like Corridor Crew couldn't fix in a day. No, do you exactly. Know what I mean? Yeah, twenty years later, thirty yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, so no, yeah. I, I, that, those are my major criticisms, really. Fair enough. That's I, to be honest, that's a lot more positive than I thought. So yeah, it is. It is an enjoyable film. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I genuinely enjoyed it. It's it goes at a pace. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, they literally, like I always have in my mind that they go back. Um, that you see Kurt Russell's character back at the, um, you know, at the yes, the mountain silo. Facility. I was really glad but, when it said the end because I thought you've told the story. The point is yeah. that he has finished his character arc. And they've they've yeah. still they've saved the day. If um, if it just ends there, we assume he went back and it's fine. We don't have to see him yeah, go back I and it's fine because if it ends, it was fine because then that'd be more of a story. <laughs> There'd be more story to it. Yeah, it's yeah. It would have been nice to have seen like a little interaction between maybe Russell and um, and his wife, maybe Langford. Oh, Langford, yeah, yeah. But again, yeah, you know, we, go, we, giving the, him giving her the the necklace. It's done his job, going, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. It, because he's just going to say what Jackson told him, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but it's... Yeah, that's the only thing I probably would have changed, I feel. I would have added a... Mm. Uh, I probably would have added in a little bit. Right, so Sam, what was... We're going to move on to our next section. What was your favourite scene of this My film? favourite scene? Scene. Um, favourite scene. I found it quite hard to find scene. the scene, but I think the one that I quite liked, because, as I say... Kurt Russell is a delight in this that that uh, improves on the script. Um, when he's trying to dis- when he's trying to find Daniel Jackson Spade's character, and he's talking to the kids, and he's you know he wears glasses, and they all follow his directions of glasses. Oh, yeah, that I, I, I really like that. I thought it was a really nice interaction. I thought it was if the film is about anything, part of that's going to be communication and across cultures and so on. And I thought, you yeah. know, he's there as the sort of meat-headed military guy um, who thinks that. Daniel Jackson's work is just a dweebish, um, you know, book learning stuff, and so he gets to learn the importance of communicating with across cultures and so on in that scene, and, and it made me and it made me laugh out loud. So that's my favourite scene. How about you, Hugh? Uh, I put down my favourite scene as the bit basically when they first sort of turn the Stargate on and they go all oh, the bit. Well, it's kind of two scenes almost, because technically it is two scenes, but it's when Jackson goes up, when you see the Stargate first kind of whirlpool open and it's got that brilliant, like, reflective CGI effect. And then, you know, when the soldiers go up and they all kind of walk through as, like, you know, hard military men, but Jackson kind of almost plays with it, puts his hand in it and then pulls it out. You know, he kind of touches it and then, you know, you see him put his face through and you can, as you know, as I've watched the film over the years, you can kind of tell that he puts his face in and, you know, it's just literally a bloke putting his face underwater. But, you know, I, yeah, I don't Yeah, they've, they've made good use of water there, I think. 
Yeah, and I think that was I think that was my favourite scene. I also quite like the bit, even though it's it makes him seem a bit reductive. I kind of I also quite enjoy the um, I quite enjoy the bit where Jackson wakes up after he's been in the cartouche or whatever you want to call it, the sarcophagus, and not cartouche, the sarcophagus, <laughs> and um, where's a cartouche? I don't know. And he, I think it's like a death mask, isn't it? No, I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't remember the cold. Uh, what it's what it is, and he's like starts talking to Ra. I quite like that bit as well. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the first kind of because you know that Ra's even though he's like this weird ancient alien with a really weird voice, he's you also know he's got like a human element to him as well. Yeah, there was a good d- d- dynamic between those two, and it, again, the, the cliche works where the you know the hero meets the villain and the villain explains his plan and. You find out yeah. they're not too they're not so different, you and I and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay. Uh favourite line then? There was a line that I immediately had to make a note of, uh, and then I went back on the IMDB uh, lines to just check I had the right wording, and it's the top one in there. Yeah. So I think everyone everyone likes it. You might have the same uh, when Jack <laughs> says do. to Ra, give my regards to King Turd asshole. <laughs> so that's just yeah, I was, America, I was yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great line though, isn't it? It is a film that's a bereft of great lines, yeah. sadly. I think maybe that's the only thing, one of the few things holding this film back from it being a stone cold classic. But I'll tell you what, because it doesn't have. For, for Resonance, my favourite line looks like shit on the page, but uh, again, Kurt Russell delivers it really well. Kurt Russell asks mm-hmm. Spader, Are you going to be okay? And Spader says, Yeah, I'm going to be fine. How about you? And he says, Yeah. I think so. You know, that's like the right. end of his character. Yeah, I arc. found that a bit. I thought that was a bit awkward. I was like, "Oh, so he's um, saved this this like little city, these 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 people, and now he's like, I'm not suicidally depressed anymore because my kid died because I've done a good thing." Yeah, which is, yeah, I think it takes a bit more. <laughs> you know, maybe he's a guy who works through his problems by doing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, I don't think it's necessarily that he's saved their lives, so therefore he's fine. It just feels like he's worked through some stuff, <laughs> you know. <that's> <laughs> Fair the enough. Guns are yeah, a good thing yeah. after all. <laughs> I, I, I found it a bit awkward. I must admit, I would have been more. I think it would have been better if he was like, "Well, yeah, I'm still upset," but or, he doesn't have to say I'm upset. But he's like, "I suppose, yeah, yeah I suppose he does." Yeah, he, he says, does, "I yeah, think so." He, he didn't go, "Yeah, yeah. skippity doo da, skippity day." I'm gonna go and uh, you know whatever. It does kind of felt like it did feel like that a bit. Though. It's just, it's just more like. <laughs> As in, yeah, I don't think I'm going to kill myself. I think he's saying that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Favourite shot, then? Uh, Did you have any other lines, sorry, just before? No, there was, was that, the, the, there the was two. two for me. There was, um, I quite liked the shot. Again, I think it's probably a water effect um, on the Stargate itself when they turn it on and there's that sort of explosion through... And it looks like, yeah. you know, the sort of effect when somebody jumps into the water, jumps into water and you see this sort of... I don't know what you could, but you yeah. know, like a big, a big underwater wave dent from from them. It was a really good effect, I thought. Yeah, they used like um, some sort of pressure water pressure cannon. Oh, that makes to, sense. Uh, create that effect. Yeah, and then obviously you just turn it like on its side. Yeah, and they had like um, they just used like some water and stirred it for the effect out the back. I mean, you can tell, but it's yeah, it's yeah. That was that was my shot as well. That when it kind of explodes out like that, and it's. Um, yeah, and you kind of see the Stargate in all its glory uh, for the first time. Although, a bit of a health and safety hazard, that thing, isn't it? Because <laughs> if it's like this thing that transports you away, like if you stand in the way of that, but only your 
head gets in the way. You're going to get sucked into the into the. You're going to half your body's going to go to wherever, and then you're just going to be dead, aren't you? Yeah. They use it actually in the TV show. Somebody actually gets killed by you know when the thing pops out really? like that, and yeah, oh, wow. yeah, they use it as like yeah. So and like, no one's wearing any high vis or anything. There's no PPE no, anywhere. No, 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 there isn't. No, I like how they savages. have generic. Um, I love the bit how they have generic. Um, <laughs> generic scientists working when they reveal the blaster. <laughs> yeah. You know, this film is so cliche and is. brilliant. It's so. It was a nice nostalgia trip, I must admit. Uh, I really do like some of those sort of. The, I don't know what it is about films from the nineties, but they always have like really pretty women in them as well. She's just gorgeous. <laughs> she was. Well, she is. She's, I think she still is. To be Almost honest, so. yeah. She looks very young though. She looks a lot younger than Jane Spader. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too fair. Who. Um, um, a uh, Roger Ebert described as looking a bit like John Lennon. <laughs> yeah, the circular glasses, I suppose, is the key thing. Yeah, I'm just on yeah. a side. Anyway, note, look up this. The, oh, the budget must have been enormous because yeah, oh fifty. So do you want? So it was yeah, it was fifty five million, and it made a hundred and fifty two million. That is a surprise. There wasn't a seek a film it sequel. A then obviously, it made it spawned a TV show. But you're right. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's and apparently, it made nearly forty. It made like thirty nine million then on um, the home release sales oh. as well. So it made a lot of money. But you can film, see from the sets and the extras, the they spent a pretty penny on it. I'm surprised it was as cheap as yeah, 55 I mean, they hired a, they hired a the lang- I, I, I started looking at the IMDb trivia to see what language they were speaking. Oh, yeah. They're actually speaking um, ancient Egyptian. They're oh, like Because wow. we don't know. So fun fact, we don't actually know what ancient Egyptian sounded like. Right. So any sort of time anyone's doing a, an impression of it is they're just what they think it might have sounded like. So yeah, so they literally hired an Egyptologist to do all that, and but it was complicated. Uh, Jay Davidson struggled with it. They were piping the lines through his ear through an earpiece at one point, but that wasn't working. So they got cue cards for him to read out, <laughs> wow. off of, and I think they just kind of spelt the stuff out for him, sort of almost phonetically, so he could it. just yeah. There's the shots you can see that. I mean, yeah. Look, if you they got the film made, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he is good in it. I think, like we've mentioned already, he's got so. a weird. He's got a, yeah, he's, that, again. Uh, besides the androgyny, there's something about um, him that makes him look like he's CGI. You know, he's got a sort of smoothness. Well, he does. Uh, I mean, obviously his eyes, but up. I mean, just his face. He looks yeah. sort of otherworldly, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, right, Sam. So what we're going to do? is we're going to have a wee break oh, yes. and then we're going to come back we're going to get the critics uh, we're going to get the quiz and then we're going to find out what we're going to be doing next week Fantastic Yeah, Uber Alice uh, Join us after the break Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's episode of Please Watch This. I know you've all been enjoying it so far, and so here's some more for you to enjoy. Um, Sam, what are we going to do next? What do we always do I would this say time? critics, personally. We are going to do some critics, yes. And um, who is our favourite critic? There's to... a little cheeky chap with the round glasses. It's Roger Ebert. So, what do you think Ebert made of this film? 
What do you think uh, he thought? He likes he likes Star Wars. He likes an enjoyable romp of a film. Um, I think he gave it at least three out of four, possibly three point five. You think he enjoyed this one? I do. I have some bad news for you. Oh no! <laughs> Roger Ebert was not a fan of this film. Like oh, at all. Yeah, it was one of his like one of his most disliked films ever. Oh wow! Uh, okay, tell, so tell me more. Said, so he says. Let's say a Stargate was discovered, allowing instantaneous travel across the universe and opening it onto a planet that could be inhabited by humans. What would the appropriate response be? Awe, ambition, curiosity? Not on not on all Colonel O'Neill's orders, tracking down signs of any possible danger if I finally blow it up, blow up the Stargate. The movie is so <laughs> lacking any sense of wonder that it hurtles us from one end of the universe to the other, only to end in a gunfight between the good guys and the bad guys while the colonel's bombs ticks down. Um, he also yeah. goes on to say, Stargate is like a film school exercise assignment. Conceive conceive of the weirdest plot you can think of and reduce it as quickly as possible to an action movie cliches. I if mean, possible, include, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, if possible, include Sun God Ra and make sure something <laughs> gets blown up really good. <laughs> Yeah, he, wasn't, he, is, he, he is spot on. I can't, I can't yeah. argue with that. You know, he um, he said that Ra's voice sounded like a broken elevator. Um, yeah, he just didn't <laughs> like it. Uh, but he wasn't the only critic to report on this film. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter, you may have heard of it. Oh, yes. um, their reporter David Hunter um, said of this about the film. He said two adventure-filled hours of mind-blowing trips across the universe. Uh, Sticky tongue creatures, furious battles, giant flying pyramids, sandstorms, and love amongst the hieroglyph Stargate is a blast from the past in many ways, but it imaginatively employs the latest special effects technology to give audience new thrills, an entertaining throwback to mainstream adventure epics with a good mixture of traditional sci-fi elements and character-driven comedy. The MGM release delivers the goods, so he was more positive about it, he thought it was solid yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would, I would agree. It's, it's difficult, any... but I, I do vaguely agree with. I mean, I really agree with Rog, and I vaguely agree with that last one as well. Strangely, they're both. They're in a way, they're both right, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I can see what Roger Ebert's saying about it, and I can understand that he didn't like it, and I can see that it is just a. It is. It, it, I mean, yeah, you're right. There isn't much more to it than what's on. You know, it does exactly what it says on the tin, doesn't it? And yeah. I feel it's one of those kind of, you know, as they say, properties that you could you could easily reboot this franchise and have a new yeah. Stargate film, but make it ha- but be get about an intelligent something. filmmaker, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just have like Roland Emmerich as a producer or something. You know, get somebody with get a good, you know, someone like you know Phoebe Waller Bridge has been writing loads of stuff recently, hasn't she? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? exactly. Some, movies, some interesting. You know. Charlie Brooker, yeah. you know, that would be that'd yeah. Be a good Charlie one. Brooker would be great, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he would he would delve into the sort of the, the sci fi fantasy element would be there, but there'd be some it, there'd be a bit more humanity to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a great thing. Right, well, yeah, that's that's that. So Sam, the most important part, who cares what the critics think? This <laughs> is uh, a battle of wits between me and you and when it comes to taste. <laughs> and our I suppose so, our yeah. Ammo for our, for our fight here. Um, <laughs> so how many members of the Bangles out of ten would you give this film? <laughs> I'd walk like an Egyptian all the way to a 6.5. 
Oh, a 6.5. So I didn't get a 7. See, I think, you know, like I always kind of say with like comedies, you take it on its on its own merits. I think with this film, you take it on its own merits as an action film. Do you know what I mean? Because you think when this film came out in 94, so maybe a couple of years later or a year later, you had um, GoldenEye came out. What else? Like what action-y films came out? I think... Um, Die Hard 3, Die Hard with Vengeance had come out the year before this, I think. You know, so that was kind of the films that were out around this time. Do you know what I mean? Um, maybe you can think of some more f- action films that came out. I mean, a couple, a couple of years before this I was, mean, do you remember to my mind, one of the best ever action, action films, Terminator 2, you know. It, it, and that was about something, yeah. and it was an intelligent film. Uh, obviously, yeah. the action set because pieces were much better than this, but it had. It's just like a more, I mean, it's, you say it's a couple of years. It's like four years is quite a long time in sort of movie terms, I would say. Was it 91, 92? I thought it was 99, wasn't it? Uh, T2. Uh, in my mind, it's 91, but it doesn't really matter. It's in this could era. Could be 91, isn't it? it's, right, it's not. It's, fair, it's in this era. And it's that's that for me is a 10 out of 10 action film because it's smart. It's about something. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, you know what, I, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you. I'd be, uh, oh, you're right, sorry, 91, yeah, so it's like three years prior yeah. to this. But yeah, there was, I mean, but there was lots of bad action. I mean, I suppose True Lies had also come out in around this time as well. I think, is that, is that 94 as well? Is that the same year? I'm not sure, I never so, got around to watching that. It didn't look appealing to me. Oh, you've never seen True Lies? True Lies no, is good. But I, but, but I love Total Recall and Running Man, and I do love a lot of Arnie... Yeah, ninety-four. Because again, nice. those two films are about something, and they're fun and entertaining. I didn't think this film was very witty. I, occasionally, it was, but again, Roland Emmerich, like Anonymous, is no fun at all or witty at all. And I, yeah, this film wasn't. Yeah, I, I just I, I quite enjoyed watching it, but I kind of like it less and less the more I think about yeah. it. So I think it's a six six point five. Fair enough. For me, it's because it's got the nostalgia factor. I give it like a, a seven or an eight. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's not enough. a super high rating, but it really is. It's you know, it, there, there was the reason they made so much television out of this was because of its huge sort of. It did have huge potential. Let's face it. Yeah, it's the god's honest truth. Right, Sam. So what we normally do around about now is we do a quiz based on the film. See how close you are watching it. However, this week I'm going to mix it up a bit. Cool. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to we're doing a do a quiz called uh, Egyptian God or Not. So oh, God. I've got six <laughs> questions here, uh, and you have to tell me if this particular Egyptian God is an Egyptian God or not. Pretty so I've got to go back to my year four, year five uh, education here. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. So you're either going to absolutely destroy this, and I'm going to look like an absolute tool. Because I, <laughs> I thought, you know what, you're getting too many of these questions right. Um, <laughs> Let's mix so, it up. Why not? So yeah. So I'm not going to give you any of the easy ones. So obviously, there's no Ra or Anubis or Isis or anything like that. Right. I'm going to try and catch you out, as they say. See if you can guess if it's Egyptian god or not. So, question one is Seth. An Egyptian god or not, and you have to say <laughs> or not. So if it's not uh, or, or Egyptian god, you can't, I'll say you can't not. Say it. Said not, and yeah. if you had to guess if it wasn't an Egyptian god, what maybe pantheon? Seth, would be I believe, is in Greek mythology, but I might be wrong. Right, you are wrong. No, Seth is a Egyptian god. Really? He was wow. he? Seth was the god of chaos, violence, 
desert and storms. Wow, um, that's quite a lot. Yeah, he got yeah, yeah. He's busy, busy boy, busy boy. Okay, <laughs> poor star there, poor star. I thought you might have got that. Okay, question two is Hathor an Egyptian god or not? That sounds Nordic, so I'll say no. Oh, that's this. See, I, try, I could, could caught you out there. Indeed, <laughs> Hathor, she is an Egyptian goddess. Uh, yeah. She is the Egyptian goddess. Let me just quickly run down to it. Uh, well, oh, she's basically, oh, she was, uh, Hathor embodied motherhood and fertility. And she usually had either the body, the head of a cow or little cow ears on her. <laughs> Fantastic. Egyptian mythology. Um, okay, so question three. Uh, we're moving on swiftly on. Uh, is Baal Hamon an Egyptian god or not? Oh, I mean, either these are all Egyptian gods, or one of them can't be. I mean, that sounds very Egyptian, so I'm going to say not. Are you saying not just because you got the last two wrong? Just, yeah, if, if, it's, if it's a yes or no, and the first two are yeses, go no with the third one. Uh, you're right, correct. It's not a, an Egyptian <laughs> god. Um, based purely on your logic there. Uh, Baal Hamon is from the Phoenician slash Carthaginian panthe- pantheon. Carthes, that's He's what I was going to say. The, the chief, chief god in there. The chief god of, that, um, um, of King of the Gods, yeah. Hamon. Yeah. Okay, question four. Uh, got two more after this, so, you know. I give you, I give you more bang for your bang for your buck yeah. here more uh, bang for your buck bung for your back bung for your back is Ahura Mazda an Egyptian god or not did the uh, Japanese name a car company after <laughs> an Egyptian god say the name again Ahura Mazda Ahura Ahura Mazda um, yeah. ah, not no. Ahura like off Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not an Egyptian god you're not an Egyptian god. Just just doesn't sound Egyptian enough for you, does it? No. You're not. No. You're correct. It is not an Egyptian god. It is a um Persian god. Yeah, uh, I did think it sounded the, a bit uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it sounded yeah, I, th- I agree with you. Yeah. The king of uh, king of gods, sort of the Zeus character in their mythology. Alright, interesting. Um, uh, question five is Artan an Egyptian god or not? Artem, I'll say yes. And is that based purely on the last two words? Just a number sequencing, yeah. Is he just going with number sequencing now? (laughs) Fair enough. Whatever wins for you. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I've some multiple choice question tests in my my, my life. (laughs) Yep, your um, logic is now faultless, annoyingly. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, You know, this was always the the danger with this. Um, Classic AA, BBA. That's every time <laughs> potentially yeah Arton was so So the reason I included Arton is uh, Arton was a is basically a famous sort of uh, in in like Egyptology is a famous um, Egyptian god because the so the guy who's fair at the time uh, was a guy called Akhenaten who basically tried to change the um he tried to change the belief systems of the Egyptians from polytheism to essentially uh, atheism. Not atheism, sorry, monotheism. Right. Apologies, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the the interesting thing about Artan is, or Akhenaten, is uh, one of his direct successors was uh, a young lad called Tutankhaten, uh, but then... Right. Uh, 
it was so unpopular that when he was whilst he was Pharaoh, he changed his name to uh, Tutankhamun. Never heard of um, him. And yeah, got rid of all the uh, references to Arton and Akhenaten. So yeah, so it was the the only time the Greeks at uh, the Greeks, <laughs> the ancient, Greeks ancient Egyptians, <laughs> Egyptians <laughs> yeah, the ancient Egyptians dabbled in some form of monotheism. It from what I understand, it seems to be basically a way for uh, Akhenaten to take power away from the like um, the priests in Memphis, I think, because he relocated the capital and what's Tennessee? Like a bit of, to where? Sorry, to Tennessee. Yes, yeah, he was big <laughs> yeah, to his country. He had to, had to get out of Tennessee, yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, question six, is uh, Thot an Egyptian god or not? Is a there thot. an Egyptian god? Thot, yeah, was there a Thot? thot? <laughs> well, I mean, I know it means that who over there, uh, so I'll say... Is that what that stands yes, for? Yes, <laughs> it is an Egyptian god, I'll say. Uh, yeah, because of your uh, unscrupulous <laughs> guessing of my order that I put everything in. Uh, yes, and sadly, it's actually not pronounced uh, Thoth. It's uh, Thoth. <laughs> oh, um, I, did, I did mess with the pronunciation. There, <laughs> that's why I put it in. Yeah, uh, Thoth. Uh, there's um, there's a great YouTube channel uh, called Native Language or Natlang, and um, there's a video series about the invention of writing, uh, and it's called Thoth's Pill. And it's really good. Interesting. It's all about. Um, it's like a little video animation series about you know would you take Thoth's pill to learn how to write because obviously one of the first things when writing was invented is was it stopped people from having to memorize long tracks of information mm. as like an ability that people had and that was a bit of pushback. So you know would you would you be interested in what Thoth has to offer you? Fantastic. So yeah, so because you guessed. Right, I think to be frank, you only guessed one of them was uh, not an Egyptian god based on what it sounded like, and the rest were just uh, guesses. But I think you got uh, one, two, three, you got four out of six. So I'll take them. it, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even mad, <laughs> but yeah, I hope you enjoyed uh, Egyptian god or not. That's good, um, I liked it. I felt like a bit of a change would be a bit of fun. Why not? Episode 90, it is, That's yeah. What it is. yeah. Do so two ninety episodes change the format? That's what they say. That's the that's, that's the exactly what they say. Ninety yeah. is always the one where you change everything, isn't it? Magic um, so Sam, that's uh, th- yeah, that's Stargate. Anything you want to add before we move on? Uh, no, I'm glad I watched it. I probably won't go on to watch the TV show. I know it's going to be different yeah. to this. I know that this isn't reflective of the TV show, but I'm not. I'm not so sold no. on it that I now need to go watch the TV series. It's one of those TV shows that you could make a solid big budget 10 episode episode of now but back right. in the late two, late 90s to 2000s it was budgeted to a very specific amount and you can see that on screen they, they, right. they put the budget on the screen in this film and they definitely put the budget on screen like they go every time in the t- all I remember in the TV show really is they go through the they go through the uh, the, uh, the Stargate and they just seem to be always in the same forest <laughs> it's clearly a forest near where they're filming it's kind the of the only one they've got access to and the rights to film yeah <laughs> yeah there's like no deserts like whatsoever yeah in the TV show, which is really funny. But yeah, uh, so Sam, what film are we going to be doing next week? We're going to watch the fairly new film, Palm Springs. What do you know about oh, Palm yes. Springs? You did say this. Uh, I don't know anything about it. It's got Adam Sandberg in, I think. Yeah. 
and I think it's got maybe a Groundhog Day vibe to it or something maybe or like a time travel vibe I think I think that's something that's kind of what makes it look quite interesting but beyond that no I don't know anything because it's only just come out fantastic yeah I watched it a week or two ago and uh, it's a yeah, Mel Prime like yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to say any more about it I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it cool I look forward listener, to listener if you've seen it uh, and you want to tell us about it that's Palm Springs that is what your views are on it Hugh how could they do that so what they need to do is they need to become an Egyptologist, an archaeologist. They need to discover some sort of ancient technology that maybe helps us travel, even just between the shops, you know, from like, <laughs> you know, maybe Sainsbury's Save to Adder natural. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd be grand, yeah, it'd be quite, quite handy, wouldn't it? Um, and then they need to get like the military involved. And then once they've got all the, like the facilities set up, I'm sure they'll have like a computer system you could use there. I mean, if I don't see a .gov you know, uh, email attached. I'm not going to open it. Yeah. So yeah, reasonable. I think that's, so yeah, they, they can email us to please watch this dot pod at gmail.com. That'd be great. Mm, absolutely. And if those pyramids, whatever Hugh said, has Twitter, we're at please watch pod on Twitter. Um, yeah. So, you know, get in touch with us there. We've, we're normally on Instagram and Facebook with those names, but Twitter at please Twitter, watch pod. That's where we will get in touch with you and talk about movies until, um, uh, I'll read. I'll home. retweet anyone. I don't care what you what you tweet. I'll retweet it for you, mates. Uh, right. Well, Hugh, yeah. it's been fun. Lots and lots yeah. of fun, actually. Listener, I love you. Hugh's probably still indifferent, and uh, we'll talk at you next week. Warm everyone, for episode ninety-one. Palm Springs. Woo. Ooh, stay safe. Spring break. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Bye.